this is Mana Kadar from Mana Kadar Beauty, and you're listening to From the Heart with Ed Hart. She is an internationally renowned expert in the in the beauty industry. Um, talking cosmetics with her today will be fun because you know, obviously, I don't I don't put on a whole lot of makeup, but I do have a wife and daughter here in my house who could probably do this interview better than I could. Um, she's been recognized as one of the top 20 CEOs in industry magazines in her industry. She's a philanthropist, a wife, a mother, a business owner, and we're going to get into all of that here in just a few minutes. So, Mana, welcome. Thank you for taking time to, to finally get together. It's been a while. Oh my gosh, it's been too long, but like we were saying earlier, what better way to bring us together than Zoom and, and during this time right now? I'm guessing you're using this technology like all of us are now to uh, meet with clients and employees and just to kind of do your day to day, huh? Yeah, yeah, we are. You know, we were already utilizing technology quite a bit. We have business internationally. So as you can imagine, you know, it's, yeah. it's a lot easier to tele, te teleport, telecommute to yeah. from Zoom to Europe versus like flying there and, you know, efficiencies of time. So we've been using this for a little while already. We, we, had, a, we had already started to, you know, integrate everything from a cloud-based system. So when we abruptly got the message to you know, shelter in place, et cetera. Yeah. From a business perspective, it was fairly easy to just have everyone, you know, work remotely. Sure. What were you doing that time? What, walk me through the process a little bit of when you went from, this might be where we're heading to now, wow, this is suddenly the new normal. What was the immediate impact and how did that transition take place for you organizationally? Yeah, you know, we started, you know, I have factories in Asia. So, and my husband also, he has offices in Asia as well. So we saw the impact probably six to eight weeks before it became like a real thing here. Because you start and seeing it, what was happening there, sure. Right, right. And so, you know, everything stopped there. Um, very similar <laughs> to what we had here. Everything yeah. stopped. And it, it was kind of interesting because I was very naive to think, hey, it's just, an, it's just gonna stay in China. You know, just diseases don't float around. Yeah. yeah going to live there and not come over here or anywhere else really. So, um, so I really did start to see that everything did halt there. Um, while we were, we were still kind of moving along here. So we tried to do as much with, with, um, all of our international partners and factories via, you know, email. Um, and that started the process of, okay, it's not business as usual. So how are we going to communicate? Because, you know, a lot of what I do has to do with um, physical products, sure. right? So as we're innovating, we're creating new products, our customers need new items. A lot of times there's samples, there's revisions, there's formulas. You have to see and touch and feel it versus just like a, you know, a PowerPoint presentation. Sure. So, you know, there were a lot of delays. Um, things were not even able to, to ship out of, you know, anywhere in Asia for a while. So um, what we tried to do from there is really think forward to, okay, well, what can we do from a, from a perspective of, you know, product renderings, 3D rendering, so we can communicate to our customers, this is what it's gonna see, this is what it's gonna look like. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, emulate other formulations or whatnot. So very shortly thereafter, we kind of, push the stop button here as well. So it's interesting like how things are reversed. Now, I just got a package today from uh, one of my factories with with masks, with ponchos, with gloves. Like that was their like little care package. Making changes now, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. And and you know, they they were giving us advice on, you know, what we need to do you know, to stay safe. So I really, you know, appreciated that that package. How have you had to reinvent? You're talking a little bit about kind of the the process and certainly some of the product renderings as opposed to the in-person experience. Now you're very obviously experiential type of a company because it's makeup sure. and it's, you know, the product is, is something they hold in their hands. What's the process of reinvention, whether it's permanent reinvention that going, wow, maybe I'm going to do things this way all the time now, or just what you've had to do in a reactionary mode that's kept things going so far for the last four or five weeks. Yeah, so so it's interesting, you know. So I went to SC and studied finance right. there, and 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 then I went to corporate banking. And one of the things that we really focused on was concentrations of business. And it, in banking, I remember being a little credit analyst, and like you should not have, you know, a company that has too many concentrations with it, one customer, one one type of business. 
there's a problem. And yeah. not that they were talking about pandemics, but just, you know, generally speaking, it's better to be diversified. Well, I was starting to move, <laughs> move into that, that process of, okay, let's further diversify. And every quarter when we get together for a quarterly strategy, quarterly strategy meeting, we would talk about, okay, well, we have too much here and not enough here. So we, as a company, we do a full like 360, um, you know, TV shopping, e-commerce, retail, direct to consumer, you know, all of that stuff. We do it all. Yeah. However, from this experience, we had too much concentration in retail. Um, and I, I knew that. And yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, already. Sometimes they and, hand us force, right? Right, right. Yeah. And I, we, we were already, you know, working on it, so to speak. But this, this really was one of those like, okay, now what are we going to do? Yeah. So, you know, it really does force your hand a bit where, you know, within days and weeks, you, retail said, you know, um, thank you. We'll be canceling all of our orders. We'll call you. <laughs> we'll yeah, we'll get back already. to you, right? Because now they have all of their, yeah, it's just amazing yeah. ripple effect. So it I read, is, it, yeah. no, I was going to say, I think I read in that Orange County Business Journal article that uh, your your online business was about 10% of your business pre-coronavirus. I'm guessing it's probably 100% now, right? It, it is not Let's 100%, it. but but it's it's doubled. Okay. So, you know, so we are focusing to your point. So it's you at are. 100% growth, but it's not, yeah, I get it. Okay, yeah. Right, yeah. So we... That would be too much concentration, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too much concentration again. Right. Um, what we have done is it's given us the time, really, to focus to online, direct-to-consumer. So sure. um, we have our website, so we're optimizing everything on the website right now from, you know, photography. For, you know, we have so many products. We've developed so many products. We have almost 600 products. Wow in the, the brands right now that we we just didn't keep up with updating everything on the website. I'm like, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Cause sure. all the sales were just like flowing in on the other categories. Um, and so now we have to like pause and let's get all of our amazing product on our website, not only our website, but you know, optimizing Amazon. And there's sure. so many other e-commerce platforms yeah. um, that are direct to consumer that are you know, certainly great ways for, for customers to get their hands on our products. Um, we also do a lot of business with box companies. So like subscription box companies, like mm -hmm. the Birch boxes and the Ipsys right, and right. those kind of companies where um, I've, I've had many conversations with the founders of those companies and um, they're, they're seeing a couple of things as well. They're seeing people drop off because now it's panic mode if someone has lost their job etc. Then they're canceling, you know, non-essentials. Right. And then there's other people that are at home that are just like clicking away. Yeah. And, shopping like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Right, I've right, shopped. So my wife probably hasn't shopped as much. Or maybe she has. I don't know. But I've probably shopped more because in between meetings or interviews or what have you, I'll go to Amazon or somewhere and click around. And it's just, it's so easy. I click on something and sometimes even same day, usually the next day, there's something on my sure. doorstep. Sure. Cool. It yeah. is cool. So, so you know, yeah. so focusing on those other avenues, um, I really do believe that when we come out of this, um, this will have been a time where we really needed to to pause. Yeah. We we're moving so quickly as a company and growing so quickly, and I was very grateful for for all of that. That you know, it was always a conversation of we're too busy to fill in the blank. We're too right. busy to you know, and those were important things that we were. Too busy to do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we all said it at some point in time, but sure. you know, now um, we have the time to do it. So let's, yeah. let's do it right. So when we're ready to, to hit go again, that we're, we're like on all cylinders. Podcasts. I had, you know, maybe one, I recorded one every couple of weeks. There was the guest's calendar. There was my producer's calendar, studio time, my calendar, everything else. And now because I can't go to my producer's studio, and if you've been watching or listening to my podcast, you can see the dramatic drop in quality, not the guests, but the quality of the actual podcast itself, uh, because I'm doing it all. I have to. And so, but I have a little bit more time. So yeah, you're but right. You're doing it's, a great job. So oh, I appreciate so that. I don't, don't know. Don't be you so critical. Checks in the mail. So no, I'm having a blast doing it. I get to talk to some wonderful people. And one thing that I've, I've paid close attention to in my career, especially in the last, I don't know, I'm 56. Maybe when I turned 50, this is when it really hit me is that everybody has an incredible story. I think I knew that before, but in the last five to 10 years or so, I've, I've come to the realization that 
everyone has an incredible story. My, my wife lost an uncle on the East Coast just last week. He was in his late 80s. It wasn't, it was sudden, but it wasn't like, you know, he was like running marathons and then dropped. I mean, you know, he was late 80s. Um, but I, she sent me his obituary today and I read through it and I never knew he played minor league baseball in the New York Yankees organization. And I never knew that he was a coach and all these things. It's like, wow, why didn't I take more time to really get to know his story? And so I think that that combined with just this experience of being in my home office every day now, as we were talking about before we started the interview, we may not be having as many conversations with a lot of different people, but I think the ones that we're having are deeper. Sure. And, uh, it's certainly been for me greater to get to know people deeper, to hear their story and to do these interviews. Um, so speaking of going deep, I'd like to go back a little bit with you. I so many things I want to talk about and we'll continue to talk. Um, when I met you, gosh, you were probably just getting started with this. If it was a decade ago, mm -hmm. that's about, I think when we met, mm -hmm. I've watched your, your, your rise from, from afar close, but far, we live close, <laughs> but you know, from the outside. We, we were socially distant. Is that yeah, what so, we're yeah, we were socially distancing before that was the thing to do, right? Yeah. That's You're what, so ahead of your time, Ed. We are. We're just pioneers, aren't we, man? We're just, you know, we were socially distancing before it was cool. I saw that t-shirt recently online. Another thing we see online is all these t-shirts and all these yeah. memes and everything. How'd you get started in this? I mean, I know you've been in banking. I know, as you mentioned, you went to USC. Um, I know you were born in Paris. I think I read that you were about 16 when you eventually, was that when you moved from Paris here to the States or was there a transition somewhere between? Tell us your background and, and how you got started in all of this. Yeah, so so my dad is uh, French and my mom's Chinese. So we, that was home base. And um, we left there um, when I was young, like four or five. Then we went to Switzerland, Hong Kong, and then ended up here. Um, I was, I was thinking about whether I should share the domestic violence story or not. What do you think? That's entirely up to you. Um, well, okay, I'll, I'll share it just because I think-, I think it, we, it, We've covered some topics on this podcast. We interviewed Denise Brown, who's a sister mm -hmm. of Nicole Brown Simpson, uh, one of our earliest podcast interviews. Actually, I think it was my first one we did, but about the fourth or fifth that we aired. And obviously we went deep into that topic because of the background with Nicole. So sure. nothing's really off-, off uh, off the radar here. It's whatever, okay. the, wherever the guest wants to go. Yeah. So I, I think it's just interesting for, for background. So my mom, you know, unfortunately was in a, my dad was very abusive domestically, uh, verbally, you know, uh, sorry, I didn't mean domestically, physically, <laughs> verbally. Yeah. Um, and then he also, you know, used um, substances as well. So she, you know, she really didn't want to have me in that situation. Um, so, you know, much like that movie, uh, Not Without My Daughter, she yeah. literally left at night with very, very little uh, with my grandmother, who was caring for me at the time. And we went to um, Switzerland, Hong Kong, and then ended up here. You know, America was the, the place of opportunity. And, and that was where, you know, I was going to have um, all the opportunities that she didn't have. Was that so, the, the, desti the destination in mind in these moves was yep. eventually to get here? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we grew up in a very poor area, um, drive-by shootings, wow. home invasion robberies, which I was in one, uh, home invasion robberies, uh, you know, access to ed education was there, but it wasn't great. Um, yeah, not here, sure. No, no, not at all. But, you know, my mom always made sure that I had every opportunity from an educational perspective because she, she knew that that was the way to get out of that situation. So, sure. you know, at every after school program I was enrolled in, every extra, not extracurricular, extracurricular from an academic perspective. She wasn't so much into our traditional extracurricular activities, yeah, but yeah, yeah. anything, yeah, get anything the education. right. Yeah. Anything academic, sign me up. I was, you know, sure. I was a part of that. That was the so, Chinese heritage because that's so big and especially in the Asian heritage, education, education, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be you know, some sort of high-end professional, which is sure. very fun. Sure. Like she, I remember one of the first things she had me do was, you know, there's a dictionary with this big and we started with A, <laughs> the first, first word, whatever. And I started to, you know, go through every, um, every word in that dictionary and went through it and just learned, you know, past, present, future, how to use this in a sentence, nice. all the, all of that stuff. Uh, so it was, it, it was very tedious at the time, but I certainly, you know, appreciated it. 
yeah. in the future. So, so sure. um, when I was 16, I was working for a, an insurance broker in Beverly Hills. And there was one of his clients that gave me, I always dealt with him like over the phone. And he was looking to sell his retail beauty store at the time. And the store was at the Brea Mall. And so he didn't know that I was 16, but he said, Hey, you seem like a bright young person. You know, do you (laughs) want to take advantage of this, this business that I built? And, um, so it basically was, it was an asset sale where I purchased this store at the the Brea Mall. And I really didn't know what I was doing at the time. Um, but I guess I was entrepreneurial even, even then, and, you know, willing to take a risk. So I emptied out my savings account. But my mom didn't know about it at the time. And, and I don't know how that I was able to do that, really. Not to think about it. But anyways, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't a ton of money, but I, I purchased the, the store and, and off I went. Wow. And, you know, it, was, it was at a time where, you know, the economy was doing fairly well. And I naturally was good at sales. So I was in there working every day, every day after school, uh, in there working, you know, every day and, you know, it was seven days a week and, and retail hours are grueling. It's like, sure. you know, retail hours and then plus open almost every day out of the year. So, but that's where I really got my, my foundation of uh, no pun intended. I was, gonna, I was just going to go there. You to, <laughs> dang it. Something to take that with, before you did. <laughs> with uh, learning from the consumer face to face, you know, yeah. meeting tens of thousands of women and then, um, and discussing, you know, what they're there for and what they're looking for and, and seeing what was on the market and what wasn't on the market. And from that first location of successful, went into the next location at, um, main place mall, then mission Viejo mall, then UTC in San Diego, then fashion Valley. And then, so I went all the way, you know, down the coast. And then my last, so you weren't moving, but expanding into those areas, expanding, yeah, expanding awesome. into those malls. Yep. And then my last store was at fashion show mall in las vegas so it was a really great experience in 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 dealing with you know consumers um and Mm -hmm. dealing with you know sales marketing and i and i was actually going to sc during this time too so i was taking my business courses and i would learn right back yeah yeah it was great it was like akin to like an an mba you know experience or i'd learn a finance human case study is what you were all the way it was great and my professors were so forgiving because you know, at any moment in time, a, a teeny bopper employee could say, I'm not coming. And then with the malls, if you didn't open, you had a fine. So then here I am like scurrying off yeah. to whatever location it was to cover for, you know, the flaky employee. <laughs> sure. And my, my professors are like, okay, she's trying to make it happen. So if she, you know, if she, you're already if doing what you're there to get your education to do, right. so you probably saw that as a really good thing by yeah. all means. Yeah. So, um, Eventually, let's see what happened. So 9-11 happened, unfortunately. Okay. And similar to similar but different to what we're seeing right now where the malls are empty because no one was was purchasing like just superfluous yeah. goods. Um, I was pretty burnt out. I'd been doing that for like six or seven years at the, that time. And so I decided to sell. So I sold the, the chain of stores. And um, then I was... 22 and too early to retire, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I, I talked to one of my, my finance friends and they got me a job at Comerica Bank yeah. as a financial analyst. And I had no idea what a financial analyst even yeah. did, but it sounded good. You were probably um, doing after- it and didn't know you were doing it when you had your own business, but maybe right. not, not on the banking side, obviously. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, was in banking, the corporate banking for a while. It was such a great experience to see both sides of the coin, right? You're, you're actually doing it as an entrepreneur and having done right. that. And then this side here, you get all the numbers and the figures, mm-hmm. but then, you know, there, there's a missing link there where you have to understand what that entrepreneur is going through at the time or why they were doing certain things or why they weren't doing some certain things and paint that picture. Yeah. Um, for the bank, you know, and actually now more than ever, I am so grateful for both of those experiences because a lot of these loans um, require a fair amount of of numbers, you know, yeah. not just the not just the PPP loan, which is like more payroll, but the EIDL loan. It's like financials after financials after financials, and you kind of you have to prepare them in a certain way, and you have to know what you're looking for, and you. Um, 
you know, you need to understand how to convey your message and your needs to this black abyss of whomever is processing these, these loans, you know? Sure. So um, it, it's been really helpful just in the growth of my company going from dollar one to when I needed a line of credit to now this um, situation here where we're looking for, you know, some government funding as well. Yeah. You've had that experience that you've had. I, the thing that I've been hearing from a lot of small business owners and medium and family businesses and so forth, which is the area where I predominantly live is in the family mm -hmm. business arena is how complex and difficult this application. And we've been through it. We understand. I've looked through it and completely understand that it can be difficult. So having that banking experience and the years of business experience you have, I'm sure has been a, a blessing, not only for you, but knowing you the way I do, I'm, I'm sure you've probably reached out and helped a few others along the way as well. So You know what? I have seen so many people. It's, it's been a time where when they say we're all in this together, I have never seen people reach yeah. out and try to help one another in, in such great capacities. It, it, it is just, it's really heartwarming to see. Um, you know, I belong to a group called the CEO Forum, and mm -hmm. there's about like a couple hundred members, all, you know, small business owners. Sure. Um, and everyone's just helping everyone out. Do you know about this resource? That resource, call this right. person. Don't do this, but you should yeah. do this, yeah. you know. And all of those little things um, matter. Like, for, for example, you know, I was going to apply to two d different PPP loans at the same time with different banks because I had contacts at both, and I thought, okay, whoever gets me to the finish line first. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, what I didn't know is if you were to apply to two, then you would like disqualify yourself from both. Hmm. So, yeah. you know, and I wouldn't have known that and it's not really written anywhere. I, yeah, I actually true. had to get, I had to get yeah, that you information. Think just apply for a bunch and hopefully one comes through, but yeah. Right, right. And, you know, it's, it's almost my, you need to stay educated and then you need to educate yeah. everyone around you and like pay it forward because the information out there is, is um it's abundant but it's also confusing and yeah. you know we we can all use that that help right now so you mentioned the all the this is an observation i've had as well is that this seems like as a world especially our little world that we're in here in southern california and really everywhere because we watch the news but um the people are, are indeed coming together people are you know going out a good friend of ours tam Wynn at advanced beauty college that you and mm -hmm. i both know well He's out distributing masks and gowns to healthcare professionals everywhere. People are converting their distilleries and their breweries into hand sanitizing manufacturing companies. People are bringing food. Wing Lamb of Wahoos is bringing food out to hospitals and healthcare workers everywhere. These are just people I know. I'm sure you know yeah. others and them as well. Right. So with that in mind, everybody who has success in their career, uh, whether as an entre entrepreneur or politician or business owner or what have you, didn't do it alone. So take us back a little bit to some of those early people that helped you. Who are some mentors or leaders, famous or otherwise, just anybody that really played a big impact in, in influencing you to get you not only those stores, the guy you talked about when you were 16 and him believing in you, mm -hmm. onto the professors you had at USC that you've alluded to. Is there anybody in that area that you can go deeper and talk about or anybody since that you would look at and go, you know, that person really was the mentor that really helped me get to where I am today? Put you on the spot there. Yeah. That's a really good question, Ed. Um, you know, the thing is, there's so many people. Yeah, you're, you're not trying to think of one. You're trying to pick which one. I can tell. Yeah, yeah, because you know, like, and and there hasn't there hasn't been like one mentor that's like carried it through right. all the way. Like, Different there's things, yeah. you know, yeah. There's there's this one person that has helped make a difference in this one capacity, and has really, you know, been instrumental. Like, like I would say the SCORE CEO forum that I'm mm -hmm. in. Yeah, I love that group. That They're great. So it's run by, this is a group called SCORE and um, it's run by retired business professionals. Yeah, Service like, Corps of Retired Executives. Yeah, that's what oh, that stands yep. for. My dad Thank was part you. of that when he retired in the early 90s. So it's great. When, when I retire, when I'm 42, then oh, I'm going to get nice. a wow. part of SCORE. That's 10 years from now for you, right? That was a <laughs> couple right. decades ago for me. That's right. That's so far away. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so this, this group, we get together on a monthly basis and we, you know, and I started with them when I had my tanning salons. I didn't even have a cosmetics company yeah. yet. So I had my tanning salons and I, then I, 
took the leap and I started my own cosmetics company, which I thought I knew what I was doing, but I <laughs> definitely did not know what I was Never doing. Never heard that from an entrepreneur before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, so, you know, they were, they were very instrumental, and they meaning as a group, as an organization, and everyone within the group, you know, they, they were instrumental in telling me, hire that first employee. You know, they're mm-hmm. instrumental in saying, you know, you must, you know, get a bigger space, take the, you know, whatever it is, whatever those big decisions were, mm-hmm. I thought that score was definitely there. And it's, um, it's advisors uh, always took the, the time to, to check in on you, to see how you're doing, to, you know, follow up on, like I had this r- huge um, lawsuit, uh, not against me, but me with someone else who wasn't paying me and it was it was this whole big thing and you know we really used all those resources to um to figure out what what the best strategy was you know because you can sit there and you can think about it and you can think you're coming up with a good decision but then there's a lot of different perspectives that right. you know that are taken into account as well um so i'd say as a whole that group and that organization and my my forum has been you know instrumental yeah. In my company growth. Have you had the opportunity? I'm guessing you have, but are there any opportunities that stand out to you where you've been able to be the mentor rather than the mentee? But let me, let me ask that question a different way. Young woman, 22, fresh out of USC entrepreneurship program or any school. I use USC because that's what you and I both know. Mm-hmm. Comes to you and, and asks for your guidance. Any, any thoughts that you've had or has that experience happened and, and what would be some of the early things that you would share with someone in that situation? Yeah, you know, I actually do a lot of that yeah. um, with, you know, with USC, with FIDM. And I think with a lot of people within the community, if, if they know that a young person, male or female, wants to start a business, then they'll say, hey, can you talk to them? Sure, you know, and, sure. and just, to, and, and really, you know, I, I, um, I just want to hear but they're like, what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. Right. And then what do you think that entrepreneurship really is? Cause I think that, that, you know, what most entrepreneurs are do- dealing with now, I don't think anyone generally wants yeah. to deal with this, right. right? It's, it's not fun. Um, it's very stressful. And it's creating business ideas though. I've heard of a part of a couple of things in the last month mm-hmm. that have been born out of necessity. That uh, oh, sure. seeing a lot of new entrepreneurs. You're right. A lot don't want to face the whole PPP and EIDL and all these other things now. But well, I have an idea. Anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah. But but along lines of what you're saying, it's you know, what do you think it's going to be like? Because if yeah. you think that it's going to be like, okay, you're you're hanging out on a yacht, sipping champagne <laughs> after a couple of years of some hard work, 45 hours. That's a week, only weekends. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Then you know. Then there needs to be some some reality checks there. And, and I like to mentor by actually like giving homework assignments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, okay, stop talking and start doing. We'll start doing, right? yeah, exactly. Start doing. So here, here are some things to do um, to show me that, you know, you're, you're serious. And if you are serious, then this will progress you to that next step. You know, we'd have to look at the person, what they're trying to do, but yeah. it would be relevant so that, People don't like homework in general, but that's, that's all business. I feel like entrepreneurs are professional uh, problem solvers on a mm-hmm. daily basis. There's this coming at you, this coming at you. I call them like uh, problem slayers. You know, here's a problem. Yeah, exactly. You get that, that sword oh, and you're just fighting. Oh wait, it yeah. yeah. There's, you know, it, I feel like we just come up with solutions all the time, all the time, all the time yeah. um, to keep the company moving, you know, forward. So, so yeah, I, I find that that's very, um, rewarding to do. What have you learned about yourself in these last four or five weeks in this crisis? What have you learned that maybe you're like, wow, I didn't really realize that I did that well, or maybe I don't do this well and I need to. Is there any any lesson that you've picked up on that you've actually internalized or thought about in the last month or so? Yeah. And I I think I started to notice this a little bit more as I was getting a little bit older and just the company was almost 42, right? Almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) As as the company was maturing was, you know, I, I'm very quick to pivot. If, if there is something that's not going right, whether it's a company problem, whether it's, it's a HR issue, whatever it is, you know, it's like, okay, 
take a step back and like, let's move in a different direction so that, you know, we're, we're not living in this space where it's not working. If it's not working, then let's do something about it. Right. Yeah. So in this case, like I was sharing with you, you know, our retail business came to a complete, complete standstill. Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, how do we pivot? What do we do? Um, for me, that means, you know, focusing on those, those avenues that we, we didn't nurture enough um, in the past years. And then also for me, it means like in innovation, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm in a really fun space where um, it's going to change as well. You know, sanitation is going to be the thing of the future right? for, for everything, you know? Um, yeah. So what does that mean for uh, beauty and cosmetics? Well, it's going to look a lot different than it looks right now. You know, so what can I think or do or create that really gets us ahead of the curve so that, sure. you know, um, we're able to be like very proactive in the future sure. of beauty. Yeah. And consumer confidence and trust, I think is going to, it's already from the recession until now we've become more of a trust economy than just a transactional economy. And I think that's right. going to go up even further, especially in an industry where your product is touching your skin or touching any part of your body or you're consuming something. I'm sure that we're going to get a little bit more skeptical as consumers and cautious, probably the better word of the products that we use. So I'm sure that's something you're thinking about as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. And look at that. See, I said I about cosmetics and I know a little bit here <laughs> anyway. So um, what do you take you into a difficult, not difficult, but can be for some people to talk about, what are some of the struggles that you've had early on growing your business and how would you say, what would you attribute the, the breakthroughs to? Well, let me, there's so many. <laughs> an interview question where they say, tell me your weaknesses, Mana. Everybody we hates. You could be here all day. You oh, know, right. uh, the, one of the first, well, so my company has been self-funded. It still is self-funded, okay. you know, to this day. So, you know, I, I did, I come from very, very, very humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. Um, so there, there wasn't, you know, a money tree in the back where I was right. just like plucking yeah. you know, money off this tree. So that, that was a tree exists. You can send it to my house, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll start make, yeah. creating those trees and handing yeah. them out to everyone. Yeah. Um, so that was difficult, you know, access to, to capital. I still think it's access to capital is difficult, yeah. even though my company is, is at a very different um, stage, you know, right now. So try to create a brand on a shoestring budget was very, very challenging. Yeah. Um, I would say in that initial, I mean, that cash, it's kind of like an underlying theme, like that cash to create new products, that cash to bring in the right people, um, to grow the company. Those were all very difficult things because in order to grow, you need more of everything. Right. right. And to get more of everything that requires just more and more um, dollars. So, you know, I had to be very, very creative in how um, how I was using cash flow, how I was creating my own lines of credit, you know, and being sure. very going back to that finance, you know, background, being very creative in, uh, in figuring out how to leverage those those relationships. Um, beyond that, I just think I just made mistakes along the way that just, I think they're, they're entrepreneurial mistakes where you, you know, you take the risk, right? Yeah. You take the risk and then it doesn't pan out, you know? So, and, and then I- moments basically, yeah. Learning moments for entrepreneurs are always so expensive. Yeah, that's true. So expensive. And, you know, it, it's, and I find it very funny when employees are like, well, we learned from that. I'm like, okay. We cannot learn all the time. Like, yeah, we, you it can't know, all be education. You know, we got to right. sometimes actually succeed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, I had a, I had an issue where I was just starting to distribute into Europe and I didn't have a, a compliance person on staff. So I didn't know that things had to be labeled a certain way. Things had mm. to, you know, there's all this stuff that needed yeah. to happen for an item to go into Europe. Um, and I had never sent anything to Europe and I didn't think to, and there wasn't Google at the time or what it was yeah. there, but it wasn't as like, it wasn't like Google. it is now. We didn't no. know everything like it does now. Yeah. Yeah. So 
fortunately, it was only something like 10,000 units of, of something, but it had to be relabeled in Europe. It had to, you know, all of that stuff had to happen. So that was, again, yeah. another uh, learning lesson. You find somebody there or go there yourself, and you're not going to fly there to relabel 10,000 units, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So we had to find someone there to do it. It was yeah. it was much more costly than it would have been had I just done it at the production facility. Sure. And so, but boy, did I learn that I needed yeah. to, you know, what 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 was required for for labeling just stuff like that where you're yeah. just like oh like you feel like you should have known better but you wouldn't have known better unless you knew in the first place you know yeah. so uh, no that's good take me through the growth now i know we talked earlier today about one of the things that you're proud of is going from one up to what is it six different brands or different i know you've gone through different stores and now your tanning salon and then now the the manicadar beauty and just walk us through the the good stuff, the fun stuff. Yeah, the yeah. Stuff. yeah. The good stuff is still the fun stuff, and we still have tons of growth. And I know awesome. when we come out of this, you know, um, well, you know, our customers will still be there. So, yeah. um, so we started out with the first brand called Manicadar Cosmetics, and that is a mm -hmm. prestige line of products. What that means for people that don't understand what prestige means, it <laughs> <laughs> I know what prestige means, but prestige products, uh, cosmetics, not sure. Yeah. It just means that you know, it, it's. Um, this would be the product, let's just say in like a Nordstrom's, you know, okay. on a Nordstrom counter sure. uh, versus, you know, what's called, you know, mass, mass deege or mass products. It would be more of like a target, sure. you know, so, okay. and, and at slightly different, slightly different price points too. A little bit. Yeah. 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 So we started out with Manicadar Cosmetics, which was prestige. And so mm -hmm. we had such an overwhelming um, uh, positive feedback for the product, except for, the price points and except for the fact that it couldn't sit next to an Estee Lauder because we okay. didn't have the dollars to back up these huge sure. marketing campaigns that they required of you, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, okay, well, you know, can you, can you create another brand that's like just more cost-effective and that's more mass or mass? Hmm. And my answer, the salesperson to me is you'll always hear me say, sure. Yeah. Say yes yeah. and then figure out how, right? I can do it. Yeah. I can do it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. So, yeah, so yeah. then I figured out, I figured out how to do it. So, so from that came um, goddess beauty, which is our, our mm -hmm. mass line. And then uh, from that, you know, what's really nice about the beauty industry is, you know, all of the buyers kind of sit next to, next to each other in a room. Um, so, you know, the buyer's like, oh, Mana's products are doing good to the bath and body buyer. The bath and body buyer says, hey, do you have any bath and body products? Can you create it? Sure. Yes. Yes, I can yes, do that. Of course I can. I'm calling R and D saying. And I did. You know, so by that time I knew about manufacturing. So so I knew what capabilities were the capabilities were and what, what I could do. So then, you know, the same story with the bath and body line came the men's line. So men's line is a Mason man after my son Mason. Cool. Um, he's it. like two and he has his own Two-year-old has his own cosmetics. His own, line. his own line. It's so, so that's men's. Like, it's men's like skincare and grooming. Yeah. Um, and we have that line, and we have then you know from the men's line came the pet line. From the pet line came the, the pregnancy line. So what's your dog's all, name? Is that the pet name? Uh, it's dog? called it's called Hot Dog or okay. Hot Dog. And oh, there you go. he's yeah. yeah, and he's the um, he's the mascot on the on the on the items. So awesome. it it was really cool to see the evolution of the brand and. and I have to say it was really instrumental in the growth as well, because, you know, if we just have one product to sell, you can only sell that one product, right? Yeah. To let's say one customer or one retailer. Um, but now we're selling, you know, six lines of products into that same company versus having to knock on like all of these doors and say, sure. hi, I'm Mana and this is my, you know, so it's just a lot easier when you're building. Which you've done plenty of opening up the case and oh. showing what you have and oh, sure. cases when you're getting started. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're, they're still in my car. I'll bet. I still have stuff yeah, in, in the trunk of my car. There is no shame. Like any salesperson will always yeah. have items in their purse or briefcase or whatever it is. I got boxes of brochures in the back of my car at all oh, times. Yeah. If I see a family business, oh, yeah. you know, here you go. Yeah. Leave it yeah. on porch if they're not available to talk. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's, it's been great to see the growth. I mean, you know, up until four or five weeks ago, we, we yeah. were really poised like to grow like year over year about 40 to 50 percent yeah. um so you know this is this is just uh 
this is just an, another one of those challenges that we'll sure. overcome and we'll be doing a follow-up to this podcast saying hey yeah what happened remember back, back in 2020 yeah yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be like let's yeah. not talk about that time. yeah exactly we all <laughs> went into 2020 this is going to be the year yeah. i wrote a uh, i wrote a blog this morning on the word pivot that's actually going to come out for this broad before this airs but this morning i wrote it for my newsletter for my clients and when i think of pivot being a sports guy, as you know, in, in basketball, you think of a player dribbling and then stopping, and then they have to leave one foot in the, in the pivot, in the spot, before, and they can turn the rest of their body, but that one foot has to stay in the pivot. So the analogy I use, and it just kind of came to me literally in a dream last night, or I don't know, in a dream or middle of the night when I was thinking about what I was going to write, because I knew I had to write something today, was that hopefully we can keep that one foot pivoted where we were a month or two ago. Because most of us were doing some, like yourself, we're doing some really awesome stuff. Growing, expanding, profitable, successful. So many great things were going on. So I'm hoping that we can, in, in, a, in an analogous way, keep that one foot pivoted there. While the rest of us is moving and reacting and dodging and doing everything we have to do to get through this. And then once this lifts and we're able to get back to work, and it's not going to be business as usual the way it was probably ever again. Sure. But the good news is, is it might be better the success stories that came out of, out of post 9-11 and obviously post-recession have been tremendous. You're a success story that really has grown significantly since the recession. I know mean, you started then, but you've really seen that growth. So I'm hoping that that pivot will be interpreted as, okay, I'm going to keep kind of one foot where I was as far as the pattern and the path I was on. Well, like I said, the rest of me is just reacting here and responding mm -hmm. to the bullets coming my way. Because we're doing so many great things and you're doing so many great things to be proud of. That's for sure. I know as your friend, I'm really as proud of the you, growth I've seen. Mr. Hart, as well, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. I, uh, I kind of have that philosophy. If it ain't fun, it ain't getting done. Mm -hmm. And so several years ago, I realized, you know, if I'm having fun at something, I might actually be better at that than the stuff that I hate doing. Sure. You know, that's not rocket science, but I've, I figured that out. So what are you most proud of? If you look back, I mean, I, okay, take me to your family for a minute. What are you most proud of? How can you not go there? So I'm going to just take you to the family conversation. Then I'm going to come back to the career wise, what you're most proud of. So tell me about your husband, your kids. Just, I haven't seen you in a long time and I'd love to just, just everybody else can tune out for a minute. I'm just going to have a one-on-one -on -one with my buddy yeah. here for a minute. Yeah. So my husband's great. Um, I don't know if you've ever, met him i don't think i've seen him and I, i've looked at his linkedin i know you guys are doing a webinar coming up and you guys tomorrow have, yeah tomorrow when we're airing it'll already have happened but yeah but do tell yeah, me so about it. when we're done tell me and i'll post it today too to get people out there. okay cool i will um so he is um he's an entrepreneur as well and you know they they run an international uh technology company and he has offices in you know, all, all over Southeast Asia. So we're talking about seeing this thing ahead of time. It was, you know, his staff he was, was living you know, it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, his staff was just everyone working from home and, you know, to the, to the, the um, take your temperature on a daily basis and all, all of that good stuff. So we, you know, we really saw that happen. Um, what's really nice about our relationship. Fun fact is we started dating in 2003. I was setting up mutual friends of ours and we were just like the, the, the wing people that came along. Yeah. So we kept going on double dates together with, with our For friends. The other couple. Right. And then we kind of nice. separated on our own and we're like, mm, okay, maybe not. So then, yeah. <laughs> then we, awesome. we decided to, we decided to split at the time and then we, um, and then we reconnected, we bumped into each other at, uh, a restaurant here in Orange County and we said, Oh, you know, let, let's get together. Let's have a drink and just talk about business. And it was not a date. It was just like, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'll let's, talk to let's... Rob later and we'll hear his story. Yeah. He, no, he will, yeah. he will corroborate the story because cool. he, okay. He is, um, I, I used to date tall white dudes and he's <laughs> like, you know, a Neither. dark haired yeah. Persian yeah. guy. Right. Same with him. He used to date tall blonde girls and I'm there not tall yeah. or blonde. So, yeah. you know, awesome. so, so our foundation really started with our, our interest and our passion for, for business and entrepreneurship. And we just, you know, one thing led to another and the conversations just yeah. were so fun and stimulating. So I think um, that was where we, we kind of like, that's where it kind of grew back into, you know, uh, a relationship again. So and your business experiences were able to help one another as well. One more common Com oh, sure. relationships need common things to talk about and that's pretty awesome if you have something so major to talk about well you know especially during i mean 
every day, you know, we, we're able to, to, to vent, to share with each other and to, you know, help guide each other or just be an, an ear to listen to. Because, you know, it's, it's difficult when you're running a company, like you can't, you can't complain to your employees, you know, cause it's, it's sure not the right thing to do. So, yeah. so but to share um, with him, he, he's, he's walking those same miles you are just on a different right. path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, what was, what's really cool is because both of our businesses, there's a piece of it in Asia for both of us, we are able to like travel together and, cool. you know, go off on our own ways during the day and then come right. back at night and, you know, have dinner together and do that for a couple weeks out of the year. Yeah. So, um, so he has, he does his thing with, with business. I do my thing. We have our two little kiddos, um, almost four and two and a half and they keep things That's awesome. They keep things very fun and vibrant. And this is such a great time right now to, yeah. to have with them. We, you know, we were looking at our travel travel calendars at the beginning of the year and it was just nuts. Like I, you know, I, we were trying to schedule just some, some family vacations and we're like, when are we going to fit this in? Cause we're, we are going everywhere in the world for a business. Right. And it, it has been such a wonderful time to just, you know, have an empty calendar you know, so to speak, as far as like having to be somewhere um, and just enjoying the time with, with the kids. And they're not you know, quite at that age where you're worried about all the schoolwork and everything yet, which I mean, I'm right. certainly there's work to do and there's things where you want to be teaching them as just sure. as parents would. But yeah, sure. you have more of that time now to do that. That is pretty, yeah. I, I think that's what, one of the things that I've been noticing the most in all the people I'm talking to and including here in my home, we have two grandsons and our daughter who live here with us. And you know, my wife predominantly spends the time with, with our daughter teaching the boys. I get it. I guess I'm the principal. I get to come down. <laughs> and know, What's going on down here? No, I get to have breakfast with them and I get to, you know, help out a little bit, but um, yeah, that family time that we're all getting, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And what, one of the things I'm hoping and answer how, how I would answer a question I asked you earlier about what will I do differently? Um, I'm going to definitely try to make things more of a priority here at home. I mean, I think I have, up to this point, but recognizing that, first of all, a lot of the things that I want to do with work, I can do right here. Mm -hmm. Laptop, phone, internet, everything makes it so virtually everything I can do here. Um, And just to be more present in everything and present in my one-on-one conversations with clients in podcasts like we are now Mm -hmm. uh, with my family. I just, I think we're more present than ever before because we really have to be, we don't know what tomorrow looks like. And yesterday, matter is nothing at all because today's nothing like yesterday right so to live back behind today it makes no sense right yeah exactly and, it, and i i echo that sentiment where you know i i'm still coming to the office by myself you know every day and, and actually i'm working now you don't have your logo on your wall in your dining room you're actually <laughs> <laughs> um you you know so but i'm still i'm able to just go you know what i didn't finish whatever it was yeah. i'll just get to it tomorrow yeah that's you right know? here leave the pen on the desk and go out go downstairs yeah, yeah. and you know put the phone down right like nothing that important is is happening and if it wait. is well it'll it'll be there yeah you know? or more readily accessible too i think we're all this work-life balance doesn't it exists but it ex- it's more of a rhythm now it's like i wake up and am i working or am i with the kids or am i with my spouse or Am I on that personal call or am I working again? And it all just right. kind of weaves together, which right. it's always kind of been that way for me in the last several years. But especially now, I think almost all of us are experiencing that. I reach out to somebody and say, hey, can you be on the podcast? And almost everybody's like, sure. When do you want to do it? <laughs> Thursday at two. How's that sound? And so I like, yeah, that works. Yeah. I asked what you're most proud of and took you to your family. I guided it. Now let's come back to that, that name above your shoulder on the wall there. What are you most proud of with what you've been able to accomplish in your 10 years or so as an entrepreneur, well, longer than that, but the most recent 10 years as an entrepreneur. She's thinking about lots you of know, them folks and trying to come up with one. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there, there have been so many like defining moments, you know, where like when we got into Ulta, that was a big deal. We, yeah. you know, when we like all of those things that you, you know, from day one, you think you're going to do and you don't recognize it's going to take so much longer than you anticipate. Um, I'll say this, this is, this is a combination of like family and business. Awesome. So, so back to what we were talking about with, with Asian parents, my mom, like all the other, not all, like many, many. Asian yeah. uh, parents wanted me to be a, a doctor or a lawyer or all. And, and, you know, I like science, but not fun for me. 
Yeah. And so then she was like, go be a pharmacist, but I digress. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, so, yeah. so yeah. I did not go in the direction that she wanted me to go in. In fact, she was very like, when I left banking, when I left corporate banking, she's like, why? It's a yeah. great living. You get holidays. <laughs> You're yeah. paid for Baker's money. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you leaving? And you know, it, it wasn't that she was disappointed. It was more or less she was concerned for my like financial security. Mm-hmm. You know, she left a, another country to come to a foreign land where she didn't bring you here to language. sell makeup. Yeah. yeah. She's like, what are you doing? And she doesn't wear makeup. Right. So she's just, she yeah. really doesn't understand that. Yeah. She's like, why are you doing this? So it, it was a couple years ago, more than a couple years ago, probably four or five years ago where, Oh, I was being recognized for like uh, one of our local magazines here for like, uh, like a mom, mom entrepreneur. Cool award recognition thing and so you can bring like two guests i brought my mom and my husband along and you know it was kind of a small it was like a a a pre-event thing where it's a small group of people and they had everyone go around and she was like i'm so i'm nana i'm so proud of you i'm so proud of the person you become and your business and all that good stuff and you know um asians really don't like dole out praise Pride's not a word yeah not that often And, you know, it was so nice to, to know that she, um, she was proud of me and that, uh, you know, I've, yeah. I've done something well that, you know, all of her hard work and her sacrifice really worked out. Yeah. You know? And I was able to pay off her house and like get her her first new car and like, you know, all of those little things that come with, with some of the, the hard work and, you know, that, that was very rewarding. So I yeah. would say. Those are so it all ties together. Yeah. And I think that that, that's what I hear a lot with entrepreneurs and these family businesses I work with too. Really that blending of the personal and the business really comes together. Yeah. So it's awesome when you can use the, you're, you're this great story of someone who used the education and experiences good and bad that happened in your life leading up to transitioning to coming here to starting a business, getting your degree, going into finance, and then starting your, your company. And your, your mom can look at that and say, wow, the lessons that she learned as a child are the lessons that she's implementing in her life now. Must be a thrill for her to see your kids, your grandma. It really is, uh, because I told her the longest time I wasn't having any children. So yeah, Last conversation I think I had with you. You were saying the same thing. That's how long it's been since I've seen you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's been, it definitely has been. It's been a while. But yeah. yeah. So, so she's over the moon because I'm an only child. So like that was her only opportunity. To That's right. It's you or no one. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she's thrilled. You know, I thought, I thought that she would be really, really strict like she was with me. And I don't, I don't recognize the person yeah. Oh yeah. she is. Like she, she's, you know, I'm like, mom, you always told me no. And like, she tells them yes. She's like, I don't know. I just very difficult for yeah. me to tell them no. So she's, she's a pushover and she's having a great time and she's enjoying herself as she should. Pushover is synonymous with grandparent, by the way, just mm-hmm. so you know. Yeah. I've been a grandpa now for eight years and we have seven boys, seven grandsons. And it's really fun to be able to just spoil them. You know, a, a friend of mine who became a grandpa about the same time I did, we were talking one day about what's the difference between being a grandparent and a parent? Why is this so much easier in a lot of ways? And he hit it on the head. I, and I've thought about this often since. And he says, you have all of the love and none of the responsibility and none of the worry. We still worry. I still want the best for my grandsons, but that's really my kid's job. Right. You've done your job already. I've done. I've, yeah. I'm still doing my job as a dad. We'll always be a dad, but uh, yeah, you know, love them, spoil them, sugar them up and then hand them back to their parents. <laughs> I think in the in the, of the seven boys, I've probably changed about maybe seven diapers in eight years. And I've been around them when they've needed it. It was like, here yeah. you go. Here's your son. I'll be yep. over there. Yep. You've changed plenty screen. of diapers, I'm sure, in your day. Bring them back to me. We'll keep watching the Dodger game after after you, yep. you got to do with them. So, so assuming that we turn the corner on this um, stay-at-home thing that we're in right now. I hate to call it just stay home thing, but everybody's talking about it. And there's all these different names for it. Shelter in place. The shelter in place, quarantine, the yeah, whatever we want to call it. When we get past that and you're back to, again, I said, that's not really business as usual, but you know, we're not talking about COVID virus every day. We're thriving again in business. What's next? What's that big thing you were looking forward to that you hope to get back to? And then I have one last question for you that I ask everybody at the end. Um, we, you know, we were, 
we're at such a huge growth trajectory. Yeah. Uh, and I still think it's there. Mm-hmm. So it's getting back to that, um, but having a more calculated approach on how we're going to do it. Sure. Um, right before this happened, you know, we were really looking to expand our team. Uh, going back to what I said earlier, some of those mistakes that I'm making were because, you know, I wasn't an expert in, you know, um, FDA guidelines or whatever it is, labeling, regulations. So getting the right people in place to do all the things that they need to do to propel the company forward so I can focus on doing the things that I do best, which is um, creating products and sales you know, and, and staying in my lane and letting everyone else do their thing so that they can stay in, you know, or they can help the company thrive sure. and grow together. So I'm really looking forward to um, doing that. And, and since we're putting all of these new things in place from, um, from a revenue perspective, really seeing a lot of this level out a bit, you know, having like more like 25, 25, 25, 25 versus sure. like, 75 we'll revenue yeah. streams instead of one big river and a little trickle. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, prior to this, we were also looking to purchase a building, a commercial building as well. Nice. I think that the opportunities to purchase will be more abundant yeah, and will. probably, probably at a much better price. Yeah. So that could be potentially something positive that comes out of this. So yeah. And who knows what the future it holds. So how does the From the Heart audience reach you if they want to, if a man wants to go on and buy cosmetics for his wife or a woman wants to do some shopping for herself right now since she can't go into Ulta or some of these other brick and mortar that we've talked about, how do they reach you right now? How do they reach you on your social media and how do they purchase your products? Um, well, there's, well, Ulta actually is still going from an online perspective. So they can go to Ulta.com sure. and type in the name and, and purchase products there. But you can always go to our website, manikadarcosmetics.com. Um, and then we are coming out with some really fun content on Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. So you can find us at Manikadar Beauty and all of those. And we're coming up with everything from like quarantine makeup to how to look good in front of a camera, doing Zoom calls, uh, you know, just fun stuff that, that you know, is, is just really lifestyle based. That was a question. I reached out to our friend, Kevin D. Allen. Love for Kevin. Yep. Um, Kevin and I grew up together, known each other since our first year of high school. And you and Kevin are friends. I sent him a text this morning. Hey, I'm interviewing our friend Mana today. What should I ask? And the first place he went was, Ask her, how do we prepare more for being camera ready for these Zoom things? Because, you know, I'll be on a call tomorrow in a baseball cap and a USC or Cal State Fullerton or Dodger sweatshirt. And um, we're going to have a conference coming up in May, one that I normally do in person in June, and we're going to be in Toronto. And part of, the, part of what we do is we, we play games. We'll play different card games or just, you know, fun evening games with adults. I'll just leave it at that point. But uh, we obviously can't do that because we're going to be doing that meeting on Zoom. Sure. So one of the games we thought about is what's everybody wearing under the camera, you know, because right now, you know, I've got the shirt. I'm just in shorts and a T-shirt, you know, usually. But um, going back to Kevin's question, what advice do you have for those of us who are living on Zoom right now to be, as he put it, camera ready? I mean, you look great and I'm as cleaned up as I've been in a month, but uh, what suggestions do you have? You look great, Ed. Uh, Well, actually, I do have um, a video up on our YouTube Instagram um, for how to, like, literally, like, how to set up your camera, what to do, what to wear, so it's it's a little bit more in-depth. I think one of the biggest things anyone should keep in mind is who's your audience, Mm-hmm. You know, who are you and who, who are you in relation to this audience, right? So, so if you are an attorney, please look like how an attorney should look yeah. and represent yourself professionally in front of your, your client. You know, there's a sure. lot of talk right now about, you know, just be comfy, be as you are, quarantine <laughs> life, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. I get it. Like, you know, if you're doing your, your own thing on your own time, yes, be comfortable, you know, um, but if you, if it's a professional phone call, then you should be professional. For example, I own a cosmetics company. Yeah. What if I had no cosmetics on, right. um, my hair is just a mess, I'm in sweats, and it's a, it's just not a good representation for someone mm-hmm. who owns a cosmetics company, right? So you, you need to embody 
what you are trying to show or portray. The image that you want people to have of you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the I only mean, impression somebody gets. A lot of people will watch today and see you for the first time or listen and hear you for the first time. So, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example of, of how this went wrong for someone. Hmm. Um, so we were, we're, we still are um, looking into an ERP system. So this is a very expensive system that you implement for, for companies um, into like six figures, right? An investment into the company. So sure. someone was doing, um, was it a Zoom? Similar to a Zoom call where you saw the person and they took over the street and they were showing what they yeah. could do. And so I was watching the presentation, it was an accounting thing. And I'm, I see the guy in the corner and he's wearing a sweatshirt like a, a hoodie, like sweatshirt. Yeah. And I think a, a cap, I may be making up the cap part. Anyways, he's wearing a sweatshirt <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, like this guy doesn't look like he knows what he's talking about. And I, I am yeah. not going to invest six figures with this dude. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't not look that he had to put to on a suit and tie, but at least look presentable. Right. Look, yeah. he could wear shorts underneath yeah. and just yeah. like wear a collar shirt. What, you know, he's, he's supposed to be in tech and I know techie guys are a little bit more open-minded but for me I, it just was not what I didn't yeah. feel comfortable investing in that guy let's put it that way in his yeah. company so that's where I mean the guy unfortunately didn't even I couldn't get past it sure <laughs> no first impressions I, I uh in the early 90s I started I was traveling a lot on business and I would collect business cards from people that I met on a plane or in a hotel or waiting in an airport and I have this pro process now I still follow like after if I were meeting you and we had a conversation somewhere and you gave me your card in the next quiet moment I have, whether it's over a cup of coffee or back in my hotel room or back home or on the plane, I'd flip it over. And on the back, I would just write a few things about you that I remembered things, maybe something I learned mostly what was my first impression? Cause you didn't have a lengthy conversation and the business card only gives you a little bit of writing space, but that led to a book that I've been working on literally for 19, no, 29 years. Probably finish this for twenty plus hey, it's years. It's a good time to finish the book. Yeah, I have time now, right? That's what we're we're preaching here. But the idea of the book and the working title is first impressions: the art of getting to know people. And we do we get that first impression of somebody, and yeah. it's not that we're always right, but we're usually right with that yeah. first impression. So other than like you know attire, I would say um, like like how your background, like what. What is your background? That's yeah, a business yeah. thing, and I have mostly business books behind me. This is my yeah. library at home, part of it anyway. But yeah. Yeah. So you know, be cognizant of like, make sure there isn't like laundry mm -hmm. or yeah. you know just funky stuff. Like, find a space that you can dedicate to just you know do your call, sure. so that area always stays tidy. And I know there's kids, there's there's pets, yeah. and there's spouses, and you can't control all that. But try to control you know your ten by ten space and have it set up so that if if that big important customer calls, your boss calls, or whatever it is, please look like you know you should yeah. they should still employ you or your customers should still take you seriously. Um, some other things are, I mean, I would say like lighting, like we were talking about earlier, sure. you know, just make sure you have the right lighting so that people can, can see you properly. Um, always like try to smile, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. try to seem happy. And, yeah, and if you're I not enjoying yourself, why should I enjoy you? Right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think, a, you know, a smile is infectious and, you yeah. know, try to have a good attitude about things. And I'm going to take, I'm not going to say steal, but I'm going to borrow some of your ideas from your Instagram and so forth and share them with my clients because that's do one it. of the topics that comes up all the time is how to do these calls. Not that from the technology standpoint, which does come up, you know, how do I do breakout rooms and how do I put a company logo on and things. And those are things we talk about too, mm -hmm. but really more importantly, I've, I've been on calls with 30 or 40 people and it looks like most get it and it looks like a few don't. And so you don't want to be that banker. And I haven't had that experience, but the banker who's, you know, in the sweats with the, you know, nasty lettering or pictures or something on it. Sure. We're around your house all day long. I don't care, but if you're gonna be on camera, maybe, maybe we change. Well, I, I would say like, you know, the, the camera angle, like mm -hmm. um, I, in my video, there's a mirror in the back of me and I was sharing like how I had to adjust the chair, like a higher chair, because if I was in the same chair that I was in, you would see a ring light and you would see like oh. the camera and it's yeah. distracting. Right. Sure. So you want to focus on like the person and not yeah. like everything else that's going on around them. Makes sense. So yeah. And just, Appreciate you know. that. Zoom coaching from Manikadar, part of your new product line. Once we, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> very good. 
Well, we are getting to a point where I should probably ask you my final question. Um, you know, my last name is Hart. The name of the podcast is From the Heart. And there's a lot of meanings for why I chose that name. But really, the, the, the number one meaning, I wouldn't call it that if it wasn't my name, obviously. But the number one thing that I want to get to and make sure that I have a chance for all of my guests to share at the end of every podcast, I will just ask you the question, Manikadar, what's in your heart? Gratitude. Um, I am so grateful to have you as a friend. And during this time, you know, all of, I find that um, every, I mean, I'm just grateful for everything that we have right now, you know, friendships with um, not only yourself, but everyone around us in our circle, grateful for our health, grateful that we live in this place where, you know, we can still feel safe and have access to um, our essentials that we need. Yeah. Um, and we can still, you know, um, keep our businesses going and know that we will come out of this okay and carry on, you know, um, at the end of this. So it's, it's really, you know, it, this is, this is such a, it's a challenging time, but I think mm -hmm. it's, it's been a, a really great time for me to reflect on all of the abundant opportunities and people uh, that I have in my life. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's, I love that answer. I, I can't add to that. So I'm just going to simply say thank you for spending time with me today. Thanks for reconnecting. And um, if we don't get a chance to reconnect in person again in the near future, because of all of this, let's at least do this again. If nothing else, just a, a Zoom conversation. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Mana. My guest today, as you heard, is my good friend, Mana Kadar. I met Mana probably 10 or 12 years ago. I was working at USC. I believe you were part of the Orange County USC Alumni Association when we met. And that's one of those friendships that just kicked in right away. And we were close for many years. And then we kind of went not our separate ways, but we hadn't seen each other in a while. And your business is booming and life has changed considerably since we last saw each other. So I'm excited to talk with you further. Mana is a successful entrepreneur. She launched her company, Manikadar Beauty, about six or seven years ago, I believe. Almost 10 years now. 10 years ago. Wow. Almost. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Life goes by fast, doesn't it? 